Macworld podcast number 260 for September 7th, 2011. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Macworld podcast. I'm Philip Michaels, your host for today. We've got a special edition of the Macworld podcast focused on a single topic. You might have read about it on Macworld.com this week. It's called The Towson Hack. It's the story of vanishing iTunes credit. It's a problem that's plagued, well, hundreds of customers at the iTunes store since about November 2010. We're going to be joined by Lex Friedman, who wrote about the story at Macworld.com, and one of his editors, Dan Morin, and they're going to tell you what you need to know about this issue. But before we join Dan and Lex, some brief self-serving news and commentary. Into its QuickBooks for Mac 2012 was unveiled today. We've got a news story that I wrote, posted in the wee small hours of Wednesday morning at Macworld.com, just in case you missed it. You can read all about all the new features in Intuit's accounting software, including the company's focus on simplifying multi-step tasks and its efforts to give users easier access to customer data. But one of the more interesting things I heard during my briefing with Intuit is how the company is quite clearly stating that it's not trying to achieve feature parity between the Mac and Windows versions of QuickBooks. Intuit believes Mac and Windows uh, users turn to QuickBooks for different needs. In the case of Mac, uh, the Mac using QuickBooks owners tend to run small businesses, usually one-person operations, and they tend to have a focus on service-based offerings, as opposed to Windows, where you have larger companies that offer a mix of products and services. Therefore, Intuit says it's putting its development resources for the Mac version toward features that satisfy those particular customers. That's likely to rankle some Mac users who would like to see more of the features that their Windows counterparts already enjoy, And let's be honest, there's a segment of the Mac community that still holds a grudge against Intuit for abandoning QuickBooks on the Mac in the mid to late 90s. Still, regardless of what you think of Intuit's strategy for the Mac version of QuickBooks, you have to at least appreciate the company's honesty about its intentions for the product. We'll have a deeper look at QuickBooks for Mac 2012 up on MacWorld.com shortly, followed by a full review when the product ships later this month. And with that out of the way, here's Lex and Dan. I'm Macworld Senior Associate Editor Dan Morin, and I'm here with Macworld Staff Writer Lex Friedman. Hi there. We're here today to talk about a piece that Mr. Friedman wrote for our Macworld.com website um, about something called the Towson hack, which is a uh, a strange phenomenon that seems to affect some iTunes customers. So, uh, Lex, why don't you just give us a quick rundown of what's involved in the Towson hack? Sure thing. So, uh, starting around uh, November of 2010, somebody first complained about this issue on Apple's own forums. But the the problem that that user described that has then been described by hundreds more uh, Towson hack victims, I guess, uh, in almost for almost the entire year since, is that uh, they enter some iTunes gift credit into the iTunes app. You know, they get the gift card from a birthday present or whatever, and they enter in the code, and they've got, say, $40 of iTunes gift credit sitting in their account. They don't spend it all. They log in sometime later and notice that their account has been essentially zeroed out. You know, that there are literally pennies left in their iTunes account based on uh, thanks to purchases that uh, they didn't authorize and didn't know anything about. There are really, there's two basic kinds of purchases that people are seeing that are stealing their iTunes credit and spending it on. There are uh, 
Chinese apps that folks have generally not heard of and have no interest in. And then there are in-app purchases in a variety of apps, including a, a game called Kingdom Conquest by Sega. But folks don't know why their iTunes gift credit's getting spent. Apple hasn't acknowledged a, a widespread sort of uh, hack or attack involving iTunes gift credit. But Apple, I will say, has been very good about refunding customers when they complain about it. So if you notice your iTunes gift credit goes missing and then you complain about it to Apple, they seem to be willing to help you out. But there does seem to be this ongoing uh, iTunes theft where some nefarious people or peoples are breaking into your iTunes account and zeroing out your gift card balance. Yeah, and so you, like I, have have been exposed to a lot of these things in the past where people will email us and say, oh, yeah, uh, someone broke into my iTunes account or complained of something along those lines. Um, but, I mean, I guess what, what sets this apart seems to be that it seems – it appears to be some sort of systematic uh, – it's and some sort of systematic attack in which uh, people are targeted specifically who have this gift credit as opposed to just say – breaking in and stealing credit card numbers, which, you know, given all the online fraud and phishing attacks, we're, we're very familiar with that that uh, that particular vector of an attack. Sure. And, you know, it's you raise an interesting point, one that uh, some of the commenters on the article pointed out on our site was a notion of why perhaps these attackers are focusing on accounts with gift credit as opposed to just trying to make random credit card purchases, because that's not what the Towson hack is. It seems to consistently focus on, you know, stealing folks' store credit. And uh, the explanation that's been provided that I think is probably spot on uh, by some commenters on the site was if you try to take an Apple, you know, a new Apple device, whether it's a Mac or a, a really iTunes on a PC or an iOS device and make a new purchase, make a purchase from the App Store that's using that new device, using a credit card, Apple's going to require that you enter the CVV code, that three or four digit code that's somewhere on your card. Uh, and in theory, the hackers wouldn't have that number if they managed to break into your account. So if they break into your account and see that there's gift credit there, then that seems to be a more appealing than trying to hack your credit card more fully. I, we should also say just real quick, Dan, why we're calling it the Towson hack. <laughs> yes. No, that's a, that's a great point. Um, please explain explain why we've adopted that particular moniker. The um, Early on, when the, the first person to report this issue back in November 2010 was a, a user on Apple site named Stereo Courier. Um, which is also, by the way, my middle name. And Stereo Couriers reported that as part of this hack, when somebody broke into his account, spent all his gift credit, they also changed his home address in iTunes from wherever he actually lived to Towson, Maryland, a home address he did not recognize in Towson, Maryland. And that early on, for months actually, was a hallmark of victims of this attack. They would get their accounts, I'm sorry, they would get their store credit zeroed out, and then uh, their addresses would also be changed to Towson, Maryland. And as another side effect, for whatever reason, the attacker would actually delete the credit card on the account, remove the credit card from the account. But over and over again, people would see their address changed to Towson, and hence the name, the Towson Hack. Which we should also mention is the county seat of Baltimore County, I'm informed by Wikipedia. <laughs> um, I mean, it's also possible, you know, one other angle, as you point out with the CVV, is that um, if you're trying to log into an account on a device that is not associated with that account and it prompts you for the CVV, you may have no choice but to remove the credit card information, right? Right. Because you can't authorize the credit card, and, and by default, then you, you won't be able to purchase anything unless you remove that card from the account, which, which you can do. Um, so what's what's interesting about this hack not only the sort of specificity of the target um 
But we, we've also, I mean, you talked with a bunch of people who have been affected by this, and there seemed to be a consensus. Now, this is always tricky when talking with people who are, who are being victimized by this sort of thing, because several of them seem to say, you know, say pretty flatly to you that they didn't think it was just a matter of their, their passwords being compromised, of weak passwords or of passwords that they were fished out of using. Right. And to me, that's the, the biggest question in this mystery is figuring out how this is happening. And, you know, we spoke to folks who, you know, there were some people who said, you know, I changed my password and I never had the problem again. Fine. And there were some folks who said, you know, I use the same password that I used on my email account. So then that means that they didn't just have to potentially get fished for their iTunes password. Any phishing attack could have sacrificed their password to a, a, a hacker worth his salt. But, we, you know, I, I spoke to people who said that they were, you know, there's one man who I quote in the article um, who says, you know, he works in IT and he works closely with his company's you know, security division and that there's no chance in his mind that his account was fished. He's very well aware of phishing. He warns the other employees at his company about phishing attacks. He's got a alphanumeric multi-word non-hackable password and he doesn't know. Uh, he, he couldn't imagine any scenario when we spoke on the phone wherein a hacker could have gained access to his password through a phishing attack. I will say, you know, I spoke to Apple about it and Apple's stance was pretty much that this is a, a, a typical problem that any online retailer has and that to them this is a phishing attack and nothing more. But I was surprised by how many folks – and you made the – you know, your point's very valid, Dan, that you know, folks are going to say I wasn't fished. They don't want it to have been their fault. But um, at least a few folks I spoke to seemed very convincing or, or presented compelling cases that they were not the, uh, you know, the phishing type. <laughs> Right, right. And Apple obviously has a vested interest on its own side for saying, well, we aren't, you know, we don't have some flaw in our infrastructure that's uh, presenting uh, the ability for hackers to get access to things on a on a huge basis. Um, and of course, there's also this issue of, well, you know, there's what, over, well over a couple hundred million people with credit cards on, on iTunes these right. days. And even more than that, probably who, you know, you add another several million for people who don't have credit cards linked. And we're talking a lot of people, and this this hack, while it's affected a lot of people, um, seem to be, you know, fairly still kind of small scale in the overall percentage. That's right. I mean, Apple hasn't said we have to shut down our entire store credit, you know, system because of a massive exploit that's affecting everybody. Even if even if a thousand people have been affected, that's still a, a fraction, as you're saying, of these hundreds of millions. Um, and so, one thing that sort of kept coming up is. I, there were some people who said, you know, I, I got the gift card or I got, you know, I got a gift card from my credit card reward points or as a birthday present or whatever. I entered it in and I didn't use it for a couple of weeks or for a month or two. And then I got, you know, either they get the email that they've made purchases from a new device that, you know, that triggers the alarm or they just log in and see that the, the balance has been zeroed out. But there were a couple of people who report in that giant Apple forum thread that it happened within days or hours. You know, they type in the code, they don't spend it instantly, and within 24 to 48 hours, their their funds are gone. Right. To me, that suggests that it, that at least in my mind makes general phishing less likely. Right. Because they're getting in there very quickly, unless they have how, some... How do they know? How exactly. do they know who's got gift credit and when they put it in? Right. So to me, you know, one I, I was wondering if there was going to be consistency about what computers these folks were using you know were they all windows itunes users who might have had a separate virus that you know triggered some hacker server anytime you entered in a code but i couldn't find any sort of consistency amongst the users um uh, who who i spoke to at least uh that would identify them as you know all being windows users several of them were mac users 
Right. So, I mean, when it comes down to talking about what these attacks have in common, other than the, the gift credit thing, which I think we've, we've done a good job of addressing why someone might choose to you know, purchase that or, or attack an account that just had gift credit as opposed to trying to steal the credit card. Um, we also have the commonalities of the Towson uh, billing change address, which later on did, did change somewhat, but we did see that pop up in, in several occasions. Right. Um, and also we have the commonality of how do you profit, right? How do you profit off gift credit as opposed to say, you know, you steal a credit card, that's easy. You go and you use it to buy things online. But we're talking about stuff that's specifically linked to your iTunes account. So how do you turn that into profit? Right. A great question. I think, I think we've definitively identified one way and we've, uh, we have a pretty good theory on the second way that's been happening. But there, you know, I, I list off in the article some of the developers whose apps are very frequently purchased because we see the same gift credit, you know, we see the same purchases being made with the stolen gift credit again and again for apps from a developer named Gao Jing, apps from Hong Bin Suo, Lane Ma, Yang Yun, Kama Games and Laku. So many of those developers whose names are rattled off don't bother searching for their apps because Apple has quietly and without explanation removed their apps from the App Store. So what I believe is happening there is, you know, a rogue developer posts an app of minimal value. And then that same developer is the person responsible for doing this gift credit hacking, steals your funds to buy their own app in hopes of pulling in that 70% uh, take that they get from the Apple sale. Uh, within iTunes, and then they keep that money because it looks like at least uh, the the one theory is that when Apple's refunding your iTunes gift credit, they're just giving you more gift credit. They're not necessarily pulling the funds from the developer, at least not right away. So the theory on the 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 rogue individual side is, let's get these apps in there, buy them ourselves using other people's iTunes accounts, and get the money for as long as we can. And once Apple shuts them down, they've hopefully pulled as much. Hopefully, from the hacker's perspective, they've hopefully pulled out as much money from that shenanigan as they can. That's the singular of shenanigans, by the way. And, uh, and then the, the separate piece, and I, I alluded to this earlier, was you know, a variety of customers. And this is, I think, even more common today than the Chinese apps, although the purchases of these random Chinese apps continues too. But were these in-app purchases in this Sega game, Kingdom Conquest. Um, I have not played Kingdom Conquest myself. It's a free game on the App Store. And none of the victims whom I spoke to or who posted on, the, uh, posted on that forum thread indicated that they had purchased that game or downloaded that game intentionally. But uh, so the attacker gets the, you know, whoever's got their access to their gift credit, downloads and installs Kingdom Conquest, and then makes a bunch of in-app purchases for um, coins or currency within the game. And, you know, Dan, when we were in the, when you were in the, the painful, painstaking process of editing the story with me, you and I talked a lot about why are they going after the in-app credit? It doesn't seem to me, you know, I've, I've talked to people who actually play this game, you know, willingly, um, we should probably review it, uh, but I, I, I um, you know, needs needs more stolen content. But you know, it doesn't seem that there's a way to to, to trade or sell your in-app content on the open market for profit. Right. So the theory that I sort of lay out uh, in the Towson Hack article is that perhaps somebody selling access to accounts with store credit accounts with store credit to burn. So basically, you know, I hacked Dan Warren's account. I see their store credit there. He's got $50 worth. By the way, Dan's password is Lex is great. Um, but you know, I, you, you, I should you, change that. He's got $50 worth of store credit. So you sell it to somebody uh, for $10, they can log in and then they spend your, uh, they spend your hard your earned money, store right. credit and, on in app purchases. And the middleman has walked away with $10 of pure profit. Exactly. Right. So, I mean, that, and that makes a lot of sense. And that, that follows along with a lot of other schemes, I think, that have been run online 
Um, and certainly there is, you know, large scale practices of things like gold farming in, in many massively multiplayer online games where people are employed at, you know, incredibly cheap rates to basically go around and create wealth, uh, you know, virtual wealth. And then that is resold to people who can pay a higher price. Right. So it, it's certainly not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, obviously, it seems like it would seem like some some, you know, some burden of responsibility here should come back on Sega for preventing that. But it may be a question of how, you know, whether they're able to enforce it or not. Right. And Sega did acknowledge this problem existing, although they, they pretty much placed the blame squarely on Apple's shoulders. The, the, the one comment they directed us to on their forum was, we are currently investigating this claim, but since we have no access to any customer's iTunes account information, we highly recommend contacting Apple. <laughs> so... So there you go. I hope that helps if you've been affected. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of finger pointing, as we often see from companies of this size. Right. So uh, I guess what it comes down to is, you know, if you're just Joe, average iTunes user um, who lives down the street from me, um, <laughs> you know, how do you protect yourself against something when we have so many, as as a former, uh, you know, member of our government would say, uh, known unknowns? Right. It's uh, it's a great question, and you know, here's the truth. As as we've said now. You're probably not going to be hit by this, even if you go in and leave your gift credit there for as long as possible, because it's it's a, even though we're seeing hundreds of reports of this issue, it's a fraction of the overall iTunes user base. That said, there are things you can do to protect yourself. One thing that you don't have to do, believe it or not, which we're seeing lots of you know lots of victims do, is pull your credit card out from iTunes, because as we've said, they can't get at your credit card information because they don't have your CVV code, and Apple doesn't let them see your credit card data, and they can't make any purchases on it. So that's, I mean, that's sort of the knee-jerk reaction. You get hacked, so you yank off your credit card. But I think that's actually unnecessary in this case. If you want to be safe, you do two things. You, you know, try to put in your gift card credit when you're ready to use it and spend as much of it at one time as you can so you're not leaving extras that could be alluring to somebody when they break into your, if they would break into your account later. And two, um, keep tabs on your iTunes purchases. You know, one thing that seemed to come up I'm not exactly sure when. I think it was around February of this year, but I couldn't nail down the exact date. Apple now does, as, as I mentioned, send an email if you make a purchase from a new iOS device um, or from a new Mac. And I, I noticed this, you know, I, I didn't know why it started, but, you know, I got, I, I upgraded yeah, I, from I my, started noticing it the same, yeah, at the same time. I, got the, I had a 3GS and I upgraded to the iPhone 4 and I bought an app on it and I got this email that says, you know, we've noticed a purchase made from a device. <laughs> the email is very uniquely structured because it sort of says uh you know if you made this purchase you can disregard this email this email was sent as a safeguard designed to protect you against unauthorized purchases it doesn't actually say and if you didn't make this go here and tell us about it and we'll help you but it's sort of it, it at least lays the groundwork that it's possible that you didn't make this purchase and if not and, and if you find the towson hack article on our site you can click and see the right links to report the uh, to pro- report problems to apple you can't call apple about this but you can email them through their website but um so i think that the things to do then to stay safe to answer your question in as long-winded a way as i possibly can uh you know use your grift card credit when you put it into your account and if you don't use it all up just make sure you don't don't delete those emails or delete emails from apple unread you got to look at them and make sure that you know what's being purchased on your account look at your itunes receipts when they come in and obviously log into itunes and check how much store credit you have left and of course as we always recommend users have a secure password for your itunes account that you don't use for anything else i mean that's a little trickier these days because uh, Apple's linked a lot of its account stuff. So if you have an Apple ID or a .Mac account, it may all be using the same the same you know user ID and password. But 
if you can avoid using that for other things, such as your, you know, banking <laughs> and, and, and other services online, then it's always a good idea to try and, you know, make that password as strong as possible. And, you know, what happens is a lot, uh, this is, you know, we'll, we'll be jumping a little bit tangentially here, but I think it's still useful to talk about for just a minute or two. People get worried when we say, you know, have different passwords for everything. You know, how am I going to keep track of all of them? Then maybe you store a plain text document or a computer or a post-it note that lists all your passwords, which is make, leaving you vulnerable in new and, and delightful ways. But it, passwords don't have to be hard to remember. A secure password doesn't have to be an unreadable, unmemorizable hodgepodge of numbers and letters and special characters. You know, if you, uh, I, I mean, if you have a core password that you like a lot, and I think we, if I think we have a story about this, Dan, that we can put in the show notes. But you know, if there's um. If you have a, a, a song lyric or a phrase that you like that's a decent length and not so long that iTunes wouldn't let you use it, you can use that password. You turn that phrase into a password with mixed capitals and lowercase letters and, you know, eight, nine, ten words. And then if you want to use that password in other places, come up with a, a prefix or a, a suffix system that works for you. So, you know, maybe if, if your lyric is wake me up before you go-go and you want to use that as your password, for iTunes, you can make it IT, wake me up before you go-go, the IT for iTunes. And when you're logging into Macworld, maybe it's MW, wake me up before you go-go. But there's easier ways to make these long, complicated passwords that you can remember forever. I have to my passwords again. <laughs> Sorry I just that. changed them midway through the show. Now I have to change them again. No, no, those are all seriously good pieces of advice, um, and I think that they are they're great ways to keep your account secure. So, you know, coming out of this hack and just thinking about where it goes in the future, um, how do you think or do you think that Apple needs to respond to this in some way? You know, as you may know, Dan, I love Apple. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I will say, uh, I, I think it's, uh, it's taking a step back from that question, answering it in a, again in a roundabout way. I, I think that probably what's happening is that either through brute force hacking attempts, phishing, or both, brute force you know, being just trying password after password until you get in, uh, the, the, I, my, I, I feel at least 80% confident that that's what's happening, is that through brute force and phishing attacks, hackers are getting into iTunes accounts, looking for store credit, and exploiting that store credit if it's there. That tells me that at its core, this isn't Apple's fault. It's you know the fault of easily guessable or discoverable passwords. I still think Apple could do more than it's doing. You know, Apple, like I said, hasn't publicly acknowledged this problem, hasn't gone out and said, you know, be warned that this is happening. We suggest that you change your password. Apple knows how hackers do their work, generally speaking. They know how brute force password hacks work. They know what a good password looks like and what a bad password looks like. Apple could detect when you're creating your account or when you change your password if it's an easy, a more easily guessable one or not. Apple could do more, I think, when certain apps from specific developers are purchased in unusual patterns or when people make in-app purchases on that Sega game since it's happened so much with that game. I feel like Apple could do more algorithmically to warn customers who've been affected and probably make it easier. Like with that email I was referencing before, that email could direct you to exactly where to go if you didn't make that purchase yourself. So I don't know that Apple can block the ability for hackers who've got time and hardware to crack passwords or to break into them. I don't think they can block that per se, but sure. I think they could do more to protect and assist users who are there are at risk or in fact have been victimized right now. If, if somebody stole your credit and you didn't notice it, Apple has not gone out of its way to track that down for you and let you know. And of course we still have the overall issue of how are they determining who has credit and who doesn't. So if that's right. being determined in some sort of, you know, uh, security compromising way, then then that does seem like it's something that should be addressed. You're, but. you're exactly right, and, and, and like we talked about at the top, you know, this is, we called it the Towson hack because Towson was a town that, for whatever reason, the attackers kept changing your address to. Now there are a couple other cities that have come up that they keep changing addresses to as well. Uh, obviously, there are, I'm certain, 
hundreds, if not thousands, of law-abiding good people in Towson, Maryland, and in these other cities. <laughs> We're not trying to target them. We love you, Towson. But, um, uh, you know, the, a- Apple, again, that's another clue that Apple could be keying on. And if your address suddenly changes, they should reach out to you and not wait for the other thing to happen. I think that is all very solid advice. Um, and you can read more about the Towson hack on our website. Um, it was published just the other day. Um, and I'd like to thank staff writer Lex Friedman for joining me on the Macworld podcast. Well, I thank you, Senior Associate Editor Dan Morin, for having me. We'd like to thank Lex Friedman and Dan Morin for taking the time to talk about this issue. We'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining us. This has been Philip Michaels. This has been the Macworld Podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you.